Welcome to both Success and Integrity with Bessie Graham, a podcast dedicated to established business leaders like you, ready to bring more meaning into your life in a way that strengthens rather than threatens the financial stability of your business. I'm your host, Bessie Graham. I've worked with business owners, governments, and large funding bodies like the United Nations for over 20 years to bring doing good and making money back together. So let's unpack why you don't have to choose between experiencing success or having integrity in your life. Let's unpack the tendency to compartmentalize and the negative result of a one-dimensional approach that ignores how we make money and instead simply focuses on what we do with it once we get it. To do this, I want to look at it from three perspectives, the personal, the business, and the philanthropic. Now, I absolutely am seeing changes occur and people engaging in new ways and a speeding up of the shifts that are so needed in the world in terms of the way we're starting to think about business as a role in making a difference. But at the same time, what is interesting is that even this week, I have had multiple conversations where the entrenched views that separate out doing good and making money have been on full display. And so I am jumping on here to have this conversation with you because I am aware that it's really important that we actually take the time to look at those negative impacts or side effects of what happens when we have this one-dimensional approach, what happens when we separate out how we're making money and then what we do with it. So if we start with the personal, one of the conversations I had this week that has inspired this episode was with a hugely ambitious business leader who said to me, to make the impact at such a scale that I want to, in terms of the vision I have of what I want to create and change, I need serious wealth. And with that in mind, I don't want to limit my wealth generating activities by making them also having to be contributing to or aligned with the issues I care about. So that was kind of how they framed their question or pushback to me because we were having this conversation around the different components of what they were trying to achieve and the role their business could play in that. And that approach that says because of the scale of my ambition in terms of the impact I want to have in the world, I am going to need to make really serious cash 
So therefore, it would be limiting or work against me if I tried to align all of those things and be contributing in all of the ways that I'm operating. For me, working with business leaders like that to cultivate the mantra that I use, which is to think like a system and act like an entrepreneur. Working to help them cultivate that is actually one of my favourite things because when someone that driven and that committed to both creating impact and acquiring wealth at such a scale develops a both-and mindset that brings doing good and making money back together, really exciting things can happen. The piece I want to point out in terms of of the conversation that I had with this person is that they're not alone. So this isn't a criticism of them. Like I said, I'm genuinely excited to to work with them and help demonstrate to them and and show them and, and plant those seeds of what is possible when you bring these worlds back together. So I'm not criticizing them. They're not alone in thinking that that's how you do it. Because the fact is that's what's been modelled to us. You know, you do a, a Bill Gates and you become a billionaire and then you turn your mind to how you can contribute. The thing is that I don't actually think that that approach cuts it anymore and for multiple reasons. Compartmentalising our life and our acts of contribution, so having them sitting in very distinct places and then wondering why we feel a sense of internal conflict or dissonance is at the heart of the old paradigm of how people operated. It was a common experience and expectation really that the life of a successful business leader such as yourself would follow three phases. They would be firstly these early years where it was dominated by study and learning that would be preparing you for your career. Your career would be that second phase and it was where your focus was on making your way up the ladder as quickly as possible and making as much money as humanly possible. And often in that phase of life, in terms of career, you would see this this phase would be talked about in terms of it being the best years. And you were almost expected to, and you expected yourself, that you would be sacrificing time, energy, experiences and relationships on the altar of work ethic and ambition and seeking approval. So that was the second big chunky phase of life. And the third phase that you would typically expect to be going through was retirement. And this was a time where you could now give back with a combination of your time, talent, and treasure. 
and the extent to which that you could give back was made possible by those decisions, the actions and the accumulated wealth from your career phase. One of the things that's interesting as we look at sort of the negative side of these one-dimensional approaches that compartmentalise the different components of our life and how we're making money and what we do with it and that trap us in thinking that doing good and making money don't go together. One of the interesting things, if you look at that three phases approach that has been the expectation for so long, is that a person who operated in that way could be lauded as incredibly generous and looked up to in their retirement, even if the way they made that money was at the expense of others, did serious damage to the environment, or destroyed their family in the process. So there were these warped, and still are in many cases, warped senses of how we assess or judge a life well lived, or how we put a value on the way that someone actually came into wealth, how that money was acquired, as opposed to valuing what they then did with it. But that three-phased approach to life is shifting because as we live longer and we operate in a rapidly changing world, that model is being replaced with a multi-phase life that is blurring the lines between the phases and is moving in and out of them rather than just this sort of linear fashion moving along a conveyor belt in one direction. When we look at the realities of that rapidly changing world I mentioned, from the perspective of that early phase of life and the studying to prepare you for a career, with 50% of the knowledge that's acquired in a four-year degree being outdated by the time a student graduates, I think we can all agree that being curious and a lifelong learner is more important now than ever. These previous approaches just don't work anymore. And rather than holding on to these outdated concepts of what success means or what you should be focused on in any particular phase of your life, the piece I want to encourage you today is to just be more intentional about how you engage and how you're showing up in your own life. Because those pieces are the things that will start to help you reflect on and engage differently rather than doing that separating out and one-dimensional approach to life. If we move into the second perspective that I wanted to come at this from, which is a business perspective, the compartmentalised approach or what I would refer to in my two camps trap as the external camp, which is where you see doing good sitting outside your business, can be seen in businesses that ignore how they make money and instead loudly proclaim the good they are doing with the donation of a percentage of profit. 
you don't have to look very far to spot examples like this of hugely wasteful or environmentally damaging products, excess packaging, and a disregard for all of the levers that the business actually has at their disposal. But then we are presented by them with this feel-good story of the donation of profit that somehow means we should ignore the way that the core business is being operated. So that's the, the disconnect from a business perspective and how it, how it plays out. But that approach to business has absolutely no appeal to me because it constrains the genuine impact that the business could be having and it manipulates the consumer with a prescribed philanthropy model. So it's really the worst of both worlds. And it is undermining the view and engagement from society and consumers with business uh, in ways that are really unhelpful. So instead of accepting the either-or view that sees business's role as making money and turning a blind eye to how it's made that money, The encouragement in this category is to run our businesses in ways that align with our values and integrate what we care about with how we make our money, not just what we do with it. That's where the powerful piece lies. And if you have listened to any of my previous podcasts or read any of my pieces before, you will know that that's the piece that really excites me and that's the, the piece that I am trying to hammer home and open up your mind to is this opportunity that emerges when you engage with and look for the, the ways that you can bring good back inside your business where it can genuinely be at work in areas like the types of transformations you generate for your customers or the way you're treating your staff, the way you engage with your suppliers in your supply chain, any of the different components that play out in the decisions you're making inside the business are where you can create the most exciting impact. When we sit in that business space, there's two other ideas I just want to share with you. The first is from an extraordinary woman in the US called Joy Anderson, who challenged me many years ago when I was the CEO and and running uh, an organization that was really passionately trying to shift the way people were engaging in the impact investment space and the way they were looking at the role of building up the investable business models of organisations that investors were then putting capital into. And one of the pieces that I had framed in our work was that we were proving that you could do good and make money. So I was using much of the same language that I use today in terms of 
awakening the possibilities, all of this, this different type of language around doing good and making money. But we used the word prove a lot. And one day Joy was over here in Australia visiting and she was in my office and we were talking about some different components and I was expressing some of my frustration about aspects that were taking too long and and weren't happening um, in the way that I wanted them to. And she called me out on this aspect of how focused I was on proving something and proving that you could do good and make money. And she said, Bessie, what are you doing with the power you already have? And it was a really important question. And it was one that then I took back to conversations with my deputy CEO and then I took to my board and wrote into some of the uh, components of questions that I wanted the board to ask me and to hold me accountable for so that I became more aware of asking myself that question of what am I doing with the power I already have rather than focusing on and being frustrated by the things I did not have power over or that uh, were out of my control. And so in this business space, I want to give you that framing from joy to help you stop and ask yourself that question as well. Because part of not having the one-dimensional approach and not ignoring how you make your money and only focusing on what you do with it, but instead bringing them back together, part of that approach when you now look at it as a more holistic thing is to also make sure you are holding yourself accountable for what you're doing with the power you already have. The next piece was again from someone many years ago, back in the same sort of time period, Jeremy Nichols, who was out from the UK. And the question that he said we need to be asking and holding ourselves accountable to is, am I making the most of what I do have? Are we as an organisation being as impactful as we can be with what we have now? So not what else could we be doing if we had more or how would we be making a difference if our bank account looked different. What he was saying and really encouraging me and others to do was to be saying, am I making the most of what I do have? Are we being as impactful as we can be with what we have now? That framing connected with Joy's piece around what are you doing with the power you already have? I think those are pretty powerful questions. And I would suggest that you give them a try and see whether they're helpful for you as well. And maybe use them in those moments where you find yourself 
framing things as, well, I might do that one day, or if I had these other pieces in place, I could contribute in that way, but I can't do that yet. Come back to the questions of, am I making the most of what I do have? Are we being as impactful as we can be with what we have now? And what am I doing with the power that I already have? So see if those questions are are useful for you. The third perspective that we're going to look at today as we wrap up this conversation around the downside of compartmentalizing and separating out how we make money from what we do with it is to look at philanthropy. And the first example I want to give you was with a really large foundation. So I'm talking over a billion dollars of corpus. And when I sat with the head of granting and the head of impact investment, I asked them, what sort of returns are you getting on your impact investments? And they said, minus five to two percent. And I was a bit confused and I said, no, sorry, I was asking about your impact investments. And the head of invest, the impact investments said, if it was making a good financial return, I'd have to question the social, which blew my mind because that statement and the approach was at complete odds with what impact investment is trying to enable. So there was this very deep belief in the way they were operating within the foundation that was still fundamentally seeing doing good and making money as being mutually exclusive. And even though they were using language and being presented internationally as a leader in the impact investment space, they absolutely had not brought doing good and making money back together. And so the piece that it always made me think of from that conversation was this framing that I heard years ago in government circles, in big bureaucracy, where they called silos cylinders of excellence, almost as this way of justifying that it was intentional and you know, we were, this wasn't just a, um, an accidental siloed approach that we weren't communicating well or, or we weren't bringing things together that should be together was framing them as if the cylinders of excellence was a great approach and and one that we should be praising. And within that philanthropic foundation, their response to me when I was asking questions and saying, so have you got an aligned strategy between the way you're granting and the way you do your impact investments? And they were very definite that no, they didn't and they shouldn't have an aligned strategy, was kind of in this category of framing silos or compartmentalizing as cylinders of excellence 
rather than naming it for what it was. Because what actually happens is they, when you do that siloed approach or the compartmentalizing, you actually limit the impact that you can have and the money that you can make by failing to put all of the different types of capital you have to work in their unique way to contribute to what you care about. So in that philanthropic space, in terms of having an aligned strategy, the grants and some speculative investments could have been used to catalyze, de-risk, test and innovate and build up the capacity of things that could then potentially become impact investments that actually made a financial return. And then you could make targeted investments into what's working to scale it and grow the impact. Now, if you had clarity on what you were trying to do and if you were being strategic in a way that could zoom out and look at the whole, think like a system, act like an entrepreneur, then instead of the siloed approach, instead of compartmentalizing, that is what you would do and you would put all of your forms of capital to work in the world in far more impactful ways. An even more common approach in philanthropy than the one I just gave you, than the example I just gave you, is where philanthropists invest their corpus or their endowment blindly to make big returns. So there's no thought or taking responsibility for what they're investing in. So their investments end up raping and pillaging the environment, contributing directly to the root causes of the social issues that they claim to be seeking to address. And they do all of this while at the same time proclaiming their generosity at dinner parties and telling stories of their granting of their required 5% each year. Now, when we look at that, when we look at these deeply entrenched ways of behaving in philanthropy, you see absolutely at play there the disconnect. You see us ignoring how money is being made and only focusing on and praising what's being done with it rather than looking at the whole and saying, hang on a minute, if with the vast bulk of our capital we are actually causing these problems, making them worse, and then with a tiny percentage we're trying to come in and grant to address them, haven't we got that all the wrong way? Can you see how dangerous that is? So regardless of which of those perspectives you come at this from in terms of looking at the challenges and the negative impact of compartmentalizing these things and ignoring how we make money, these, the deeply held separation that we have embedded 
around doing good and making money have allowed all of this compartmentalizing to occur. But that can change with us. Because you and I can make different decisions about what we want for our lives. And we can seek to intentionally live a life that is aligned with our values. Where the strategic thread across our life, both at work and outside of work, is clear and consistent. Have you been compartmentalizing your business from who you are and what you care about outside of work? Have you ignored or excused how you make money, justifying that with the good you'll do one day and the donations of profits or distributions? Have you been wondering why you feel a sense of internal conflict or dissonance? If any of what's coming up for you or any of these ideas as you think about them feel too hard or you're too close to figure out how to connect the dots and draw out your strategic thread, we should talk. I'm probably the thinking partner you've been missing. Here's what I want to leave you with today. How you make money is just as important as what you do with it. Don't wait for one day when you retire or you reach a certain personal net worth to do good. You can do good now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to both Success and Integrity with Bessie Graham. If you found what I shared today valuable or you think that it would be good for a fellow business leader to listen to, then please share the episode with someone you know. Another way to help the podcast is to provide a rating and written review on your podcast app of choice. The written review is important because it helps others learn more about what we're trying to achieve. If you'd like to get in touch, please reach out to me at any time on LinkedIn, YouTube or Instagram just by searching Bessie Graham or you can go to BessieGraham.com. I'm Bessie Graham and remember, you don't have to choose between experiencing success or having integrity in your life.